The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Beauty Vanguard. Thanks for joining us once again. How are you, Mikhail? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> you got any beauty news for me? I, you know, I do. Um, kicking it off with beauty news, but I love this topic because it's something we talk about a lot. It's actually a big portion of what we talked about on last episode with one of our favorite dermatologists, Dr. Carlos Charles. Mm. Who the practice Dermadicolor in New York City. And uh, this was an article I came across this morning on Beauty Independent about how a creator of a laser, I believe it is, it's called VI Peel. Um, mm-hmm. She is launching something called the Brown Skin Agenda in mm-hmm. order to increase awareness of and education on treating skin of color. Now, this founder, her name is Maria Khalil Otto, is mm-hmm. a woman of color. And she, you know, it's giving a lot of statistics like, you know, that we had dropped in our last episode, like uh, by 2045, the majority of Americans will be of color, people, persons of color. Um, and like I said, when we were talking to Dr. Charles, I think we flat out asked him, go listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet. We flat out asked him, by 2045, do you think that dermatology is going to be serving a population that is majority people of color? And yeah. you'll have to go listen to the episode to find out what he said. Yeah, but what his answer is. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a little shock. It's I was a little shocked what he said. Um, mm-hmm. I mean- you know, it's really interesting. So clearly it's a need and they're starting all these activations, the brown skin agenda. I love this. I mean, it's, it's, it is amazing because I was pretty blown away by many of the stats that we've heard from Dr. Carlos, as well as Dr. B, who we have the chance to um, interview as well, that um, around, you know, the status of what, like 20, 30,000 dermatologists total Total in the United States, which sounds like a very small number. And when you look at the percentage of those who are identify as black or African American, Mm -hmm. it's 3%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's no wonder. I mean, I know as a black woman, I've spent my life going into the dermatologist, you know, for different skin conditions over, you know, really since adolescence and, and kind of the lack of examples of even within the books and the training materials, which Dr. Carlos also explained that like, even in the pictures that you see, you're very rarely seeing um, in your training pictures of, of melanin rich skin and the conditions that, that we deal with. And so then when you think on the other end of the spectrum, you know, when you're hearing about, like when I hear about my friends talk about various peels that they're getting in various mm-hmm. lasers that they're getting, and then finding out that those treatments aren't available to me because of the color of my skin and because of how damaging mm-hmm. it can be, or maybe just the lack of education on how to treat my skin by getting those types of treatments. It makes me happy to hear mm-hmm. that this Brown girl agenda and that, that this group of people are coming together to further educate because maybe it'll open mm-hmm. up more access and opportunity for people with totally darker skin. And it doesn't even have to be skin as dark as mine. I mean, I know you probably even dealt with that, mm-hmm. um, with any sort of 100%. in your skin that mm-hmm. 
you know, hearing, oh, that's not safe, or we don't, we can't do that on your skin tone. And yeah, absolutely. And and darker skin is more likely to keloid, um, mm-hmm. scar, scar, you know, uh-huh. in a, in a real, real way. I, that's happened to me through a lot of things, just like cuts and, and accidents and broken bones and things like that. But yeah, so this is, it's going to kick off. It's like a a series of initiatives. Their first is a webinar called Redefining the Cultural Code, the Myth and the New Reality for Skin of Color. So, you know, it's a panel of dermatologists, um, a plastic surgeon, which, you know, I just love that it's like surfacing. We obviously try and do it and bring attention to certain topics and issues. And I love that more people are doing it in, in other ways because through, you know, like you were talking about all the statistics we've learned with, you know, the 20,000 derms in America period until our kids all become derms. So, you know, that's, that's their career track. So we'll add more, but uh, only about 3% of dermatologists identify as black or African-American. And there are Uh, about 13% of Americans are black, you know, and this article also says that black Americans are less likely than white Americans to visit a dermatologist. So, you know, all those things that we talked about in our last episode too, about cultural competence, access, sun care um, is a big part of why a lot of maybe white or lighter skinned Americans might go see a dermatologist because of sun, you know, moles or, you know, because they've been, you know, talked to or educated about skin cancers and things like that, things that melanin um, rich skin, you know, we may think we have more of a natural defense against, but obviously it still does affect us. So just access and education um, Mm -hmm. are so key when it comes to dermatology for melanin rich skin and good to good on them. Good to see progress and movement and, um, and awareness around this. Totally. Yeah. Excited about this next episode of the Beauty Vanguard and hopefully we'll help to uncover some more awareness. So listen in. Ever wonder what Gen Z is really up to? Well, it turns out that the kids are all right. We sat down with actress and singer Ella J. Basco and aspiring beauty entrepreneur Lulu Grico, both 15-year-old high school students who are navigating teenhood, social media, body image, and beauty standards with absolute grace. They definitely inspire other kids their age, but we certainly walked away in awe of their mature outlook. Welcome to the beauty vanguard, Ella and Lulu. Well, I'm so thrilled that you are both here. This is such a special, special treat for me as a mom, as a girl's girl. The two of you are such an inspiration to to me. It's been such a pleasure to raise you, Lulu, and to have known you since you were an itty-bitty girl. And you all have such a special friendship, but you also have such an incredible perspective on on so much at at such a young age. So welcome to the Beauty Vanguard, Ella and Lulu. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for so long. I know, it's so exciting. Well, so Melissa and I get together every week. What we love is that this isn't just your typical, you know, beauty podcast. This is about 
the beauty of inclusion, which is it's so, so deeply important to Melissa and I that we decided that we needed to to have these important conversations um, with tastemakers, with other people in beauty. But this is such a pleasure to get to spend time with two Gen Z girls and get your perspective on, on it all. And I'm looking forward to to learning from you in this hour and, and for our listeners to learn a little bit more about the beauty of inclusion through the lens of a 15-year-old and an almost 15-year-old. But as we know, when it comes to beauty and how we view ourselves, the journey starts young. So please share with us what your beauty journey has been so far. How did you find beauty? How did beauty find you? Yeah, I think I was pretty obsessed with makeup from a really young age. Um, I remember like messing around with my sister and my cousins. It, it didn't matter, like doing face paint or um, trying to creatively express myself through makeup. Um, and I always thought it was super interesting. Up until maybe a couple years ago, I fully got interested because I was doing press and people were putting makeup on me. And I just fully got interested into how you can fully change your face with like a couple powders and creams. So yeah, I, I love makeup so much. And I think there's definitely like a whole creative journey that you can go on as well with like, um, there's like drag makeup and um, prosthetics and like clown makeup and all these sorts of things and like glamorous things and many things you can experiment with. So I've just been really excited and grateful to have makeup as a creative outlet and something that I can do at the comfort of my home. That's awesome. What about um, you, Lulu? How'd you, um, how did beauty find you? Um, well, I've, for a really long time, I've been doing like stage makeup because of dance recitals and performances. And I used to just have my mom do it for me because I couldn't figure it out. But then I started like trying to do it myself and looking at videos and stuff about it. And I always found it really interesting. And I don't usually wear makeup out. I want to start doing it more because whenever I like put it on, I feel like, super confident and like cool on stage and stuff so it's it's very interesting and like with um beauty and like skincare especially since my mom has a skincare line I've always kind of been immersed in like like that aspect of like the like beauty lines and stuff and so I've always been very interested in that as well that's awesome nice it's hard to escape in your household you're surrounded by it and I Absolutely. heard a rumor that you may have stolen a tube of gloss hood lip gloss before your mom had a chance to try it. You got I it? I did. Where is it? <laughs> I did. I did take it. Yes. But I think my mom stole it back, but I don't stole know where back. she put it. <laughs> I, but, I think it fell off yeah. the table. Well, I love that. I, we learned so much about beauty from our mothers or our caregivers, our grandmothers growing up in an all Filipino household beauty and, and how you present yourself was always very and is still always so prominent. I could be fully ready, but my mom would be like, oh, where's your lipstick? I'd be like, Ugh, okay. But yeah, the beauty journey definitely starts young in that way. And speaking of all of that, Ella, you know, your music centers a lot on your ethnicity and honoring your heritage. Has that always been central to your life and your work? My culture is definitely a big part of what I do and how I express myself creatively because I think it's really important to incorporate 
your real life experiences and who you are into your projects and into your music and stuff like that. Yeah, I from from the beginning, I have a EP called Middle School and there's two songs on there that honor my Filipino side called the Filipino song and my Korean side called Grow Up Kid. So yeah, I think from the beginning, I always really wanted to honor my heritage and my culture because it's really important. Absolutely. And then really you important. have a more recent song called, is it called Gold? Yes. That music video is amazing. So tell us about how Gold came about. Well, Gold was, it was actually an idea, way, like the song was an idea way before quarantine. My brother Daryl and I were writing partners, so he's been producing my music from day one. And we kind of came up with the idea of an anthem that kind of spoke to our skin and what that meant to us. And then we wanted to bring along an amazing rapper, Ruby Ibarra, who is a Filipino rapper. She raps in three languages. And she also talks about her culture and her experiences um, through her music as well. So we really thought that would be interesting to incorporate her. And then from there... The song released in January, I believe, and we wanted to make a music video for the for the song. That's how that's how it went. It's it's pretty straightforward. Like I was really I love how you literally take this the soap and it's I don't know, it just like illustrates how I think so many people feel about how they're spoken to and marketed to in beauty about their appearance. So I think that was such a really strong message you sent. Have you heard from people on on your Instagram or just through your sort of fan mail about how, how they felt about what you sang about and, and especially the video? Yeah, I've definitely had fans, friends, and family communicate to me and the director and everybody a part of the team that this music video was very emotionally moving because not many people see role models like Ruby or um, a role model like me in front of the camera. So some people have actually messaged that they've almost or have fallen into tears from watching the video, which I'm so proud of having the support like that. So yeah, I mean, it's we wanted to make it a very impactful video. And I think that message definitely came across. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. It's really Such a strong. beautiful song. It really is. And, and that it's so timely, especially now as we are witnessing so much hatred in the world against the AAPI community, against the Black community. And so the fact that it was written long before this last pinnacle moment of, you know, hatred and pain that that we've been experiencing as a society, but that it's so timely to be such an empowering piece of art and work for so many young people to be able to connect to, as well as people our age to connect to um, taking true pride in your heritage and your skin and and I love it. You know, it's a lot to be a 15-year-old kid. At the end of the day, you know, you guys are are growing up and you are definitely two of the most mature young teenage girls that I've known in all the good ways, but that it's a lot to digest everything that's happening on the world 
on top of living through the U.S. version of the global pandemic. It's still going on in, in many other places. But that you were able to output such positivity is a real gift. And I think absolutely. I mean, I saw that you were on The View recently. Um, that I love that it's getting such positive attention because right now, you know, it's hard not to get overloaded by all the negativity and, and get to lean into the positive and the empowerment that a song and, and the work that you're doing really is um, helping so many people. And the representation as well. When I was your age and not until maybe the last few years, I really didn't see myself reflected in the media, especially like pop stars or, you know, singers not many actors or actresses. So for teenagers or, or younger to be able to see you, especially out there so proud and so, you know, standing so strong in who you are and your heritage is, that could be life-changing for people who see themselves, you know? So that's amazing. Lulu, what about you? We know you're a budding beauty entrepreneur. Of course, you can't escape it in your household. It's obviously everywhere. I've just heard little bits and pieces from your mom saying that you are interested in a hair care line. What or who has inspired that for you? Well, I mean, obviously my mom has inspired me. And like from when I was like younger and having my hair done by like my mom and my grandma and having to like pick through all the knots and being like, beauty's pain. Okay. <laughs> like I was like, and then. <laughs> Wait, who said yeah. that to you? Your mom and your grandma were like. My mom. My, my, my mom. grandma. Mostly my grandma. <laughs> and then she would say it because she used to say it to my mom too. And when yeah. I was like four and I'd be like crying with her picking through my hair. <laughs> and as I've gotten older, I've started doing my hair by myself. And when I'm like experimenting with products and stuff, I have like a bunch of different textures throughout my hair. In the front, it's less coarse. And then towards the middle, it's a nightmare. And then like at the bottom, it's kind of, I don't know, it's just very mixed. So it's hard to get a product that works throughout my entire head. It kind of inspired me to try to make a product for people with all sorts of hair because like, I know there's like a stereotype for what certain people's hair is supposed to look like or like people are like praised for having one certain type of hair, even if it's not their natural hair, which is totally fine. But then when people who like their natural hair are like told like, oh, you should just keep it straight all the time and you shouldn't really wear it curly it's kind of like damaging to their self-esteem. So I want to kind of like help girls and guys like embrace their natural hair, no, like whatever that might be, just so that they don't have to feel insecure about it. And like, I'm really happy because I've seen a lot more people wearing their natural hair and like embracing whatever it looks like. So I don't know. I kind of just wanted to like go off of that. I love that message. Thank that is too. such a strong That's message. That's so good. I Thank know. You. I love it too. Yeah, you must be so proud, Nikeo. That's so, so, so proud. Well, I'm so proud of both of you. You know, Melissa and I have talked on this show before about how when we were your age, we were pretty much doing everything we could do to not be different, to not mm -hmm. embrace our hair texture, the way that we looked to, you know, and a big part of that was that we didn't necessarily have the role models like you spoke about, Ella, that 
that that we were seeing in the media that we were seeing in you know the magazines that we were looking at when we were young you know the 17 magazines the teen magazines that were out at that time there were very few girls in those on those pages that you know depicted what beauty you know what defined beauty that looked at all like Melissa and I and so I find it so encouraging you know especially as a mom of a daughter who has really like found her her way. I mean, she's always been able to do her own hair better than I've been able to do her hair or do my own hair. And she studies it. She studies it through YouTube videos. She embraces it. She prefers her natural texture to getting it blown out. And that to me, to arrive there and, and, you know, you've been this way for quite some time. I mean, since she was a little girl that she, you know, the power of embracing your beauty at such a young age and knowing that beauty comes from the inside out. So, so that confidence in, in who you are and what you look like in the mirror and embracing it and celebrating it that starts on the inside but to be so self-assured about what you love and find beautiful about yourself at at 15 is is pretty incredible and people ask all the time especially when you you are a seasoned adult as myself <laughs> that you know what message would you give your younger self and my answer is consistently you know go easy on yourself and embrace who you are and know that it's it's going to be what you're the most proud of one day and I just didn't believe that when I was your age. And so it gives me such hope for the future. <laughs> Thank God for Gen Z. Thank God that we as moms get to, to celebrate at the very least that we get to be inspired and, and witness this confidence and, and this love for yourselves as teenagers. It, it is it's totally. very inspiring. And, and it makes me happy to know that you guys are growing up this way. And especially that you're a generation that has is the first digitally native. Social media is completely part of your life since you were conscious enough to remember. So to be able to be so grounded and self-assured through social media, being inundated, being on it, being all your friends being on it, just living in that uh, reality is major. Speaking of social media, I guess, TikTok. Have you heard of it? It's really cool. You should <laughs> no, go. I haven't. You should I download haven't. it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't App Store. Sorry. <laughs> See, yeah. I knew I could teach you guys, you guys something. <laughs> I knew I could teach you something cool. So there's this app called TikTok. Um, you should check it out. There's a lot of people also doing beauty on it. So TikTok is obviously like a very influential platform when it comes to beauty of all kinds, mm-hmm. content and everything. Um, is that giving us an accurate picture of what Gen Z wants when it comes to beauty? Or what is it what is it you guys really care about when it comes to beauty? Is it the transparency and honesty? Is it are we still into sort of the Kardashian mask it all up or, you know, what, what is it that resonates with Gen Z? Not to make you speak for all of your generation. So what is it that resonates <laughs> with the two of you when it comes to beauty content on TikTok or, or a popular social media platform? Yeah, I think it's definitely both because there are so many girls and people in general who are for sure embracing their natural light, their natural hair, their natural skin. And I'm completely for that. And I'm so happy that 
Gen Z is at a place where we can represent those people and make sure that those groups of people are heard. Um, but at the same time, I definitely know that there are still so many accounts that can make you feel insecure. And it's not their fault because they look amazing and their figure is amazing or their skin is perfect or their hair is shiny. But I think it can make people still feel insecure. And I think social media is such a sensitive platform where it can either be extremely uplifting or super detrimental. I think we're shifting into places where we can definitely accept everybody. But at the same time, like I know for a fact that I've gone through social media scrolls, looking through like a bunch of girls feeling bad about myself. And I and sometimes I feel guilty for doing it. But yeah, I think we're I think there's definitely a way that we're moving in the right direction of representation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What are you what about you, Lulu? Well, I think when it comes to like people who do makeup, I honestly think that everyone can do whatever kind of makeup they like want to do. Like if somebody wants to do makeup like the Kardashians, then they can do it. And they obviously look flawless doing it. And then those who like to wear it like natural can do that. But I get what Elle is saying. Like I've definitely been like scrolling through TikTok or scrolling through Instagram. Like yeah, all these girls that are like so pretty and like match the like American beauty standard, which is like the most toxic thing ever because like it's a very unattainable beauty standard and it's very hard to actually reach it. I definitely also think we're moving in the right direction when it comes to like Gen Z as a whole moving the direction of like accepting everybody for whatever they look like because there are certain aspects that people can't change about themselves and when people make them feel bad about themselves for those different features that they can't change it's just it's not okay so that's that's why uh, social media is both a blessing and a curse because of the things you can see on it. Yeah. yeah. But it's great to be self-aware and, and aware that, you know, I mean, I think it happens to all of us, but to have the awareness to, you know, to know, like, wait, I love what you both said that, you know, when you see it, you own that, okay, maybe this isn't making me feel great about myself, but you at least have the awareness as opposed to it seeping in and becoming messaging for yourself. You know, okay, this isn't, that doesn't make me feel good. That exists, but I can lean into, into things that, that do make me feel good or that, you know, create content on your own that you find to be empowering for yourself and for others. I do love that you still, regardless of having to scroll through sometimes and feel bad about, and there is no such thing as perfect, right? And and I love what you said about the ideal American beauty status. It's like, we are America, right? Like we, you know, Melissa and I talk about all the time that, you know, here we are, a Black woman and a Filipino woman with a beauty podcast called The Beauty Vanguard and, and being very declarative in, in, you know, owning our position in the industry. And, you know, even with 13 Loon and, and our platform and, and being very bold and saying that 90% of all the products that we carry are going to be BIPOC founded, there's not really another platform that we know of that's that's being that declarative saying 90% will be black and brown people and 10% only will be people who are not people of color, but they have to be true allies. And and it's bold. And, you know, there's definitely days that it feels challenging or I feel intimidated. Um, but it's knowing that we're all here to to have those experiences and not to let them seep into the messaging of who of who we really are. 
Well, Ella, you're doing, I know that the, the crew, you know, sort of along the lines of the ethos of 13 Loon and, and making sure our industry really fights for diversity and representation, our industry being beauty and, and e-commerce, your whole crew, if I'm not mistaken, for the your music, your latest music video for Gold was an all Asian crew. Is that right? Yes. So we really, we really wanted to make sure that our community was represented in this project. And actually, it's 100% Asian, predominantly women, um, and predominantly Filipina. But we still wanted to make sure that all Asian ethnicities were represented. So there are people who are Korean, Cambodian, um, Thai, Vietnamese, uh, Chinese, Japanese, all of that. So yeah, we, we just thought it was important to represent our community and make sure that we were heard because if we're not res- represented, people might not know that we exist. So we just thought that was really important. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think people are starting to, sadly starting to, you know, these conversations around the AAPI community and realizing that we're not a, we're not a monolith, right? There's so many different countries and cultures and languages so to really be again declarative and making sure the representation there is so important well you guys are like so smart how do you (laughs) i don't even know when i had this amount of awareness my goodness how do you even mitigate social media like you're so aware but we all know it's easier said than done when you're in this sort of whole of especially those beauty videos I mean I can just like literally become hypnotized through watching people put on anything right so if you start to get this pang of like oh I don't really feel that great watching this or you start to look down at your you know just start to criticize if you feel critical of yourself through watching something else how do you stop how do you do it I mean at my age, I can't figure that out. I mean, in that moment, how do you how do you mitigate social media because it's designed to make us stay, right? I, I this is kind of this is interesting. I uh, set a limit for myself on TikTok, so I only gave myself an hour a day because it's like a like a time warp. Like you could be on there. Like I've come home from school, and this is very guilty about this. I would come home from school and then go on TikTok and be like, ah, I'll be on it for like 10 minutes. And then I'll look at the clock and like three hours has passed. And I've just been like going like this. And I can't even remember what it's video so I saw. Like, I know. And I'm like, I can't even remember a video that I saw like a minute ago because it's just like you're going through all of them and just it's a very repetitive thing and you get like stuck there. So I had it deleted for like a month just to like take a break from it. And then ever since I've had it re-downloaded, I've had a limit on it. So uh, that's kind of how I stop myself from being on there too long. If I'm ever on something that's like too damaging to my self-esteem, I'll be like, oh, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. What? Like, I'll kind of take a minute of self-reflection. I'll be like, this is not making me feel good. I'm taking up my hour that I have on this app. I I have to let me go watch something else. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, first of all, as her mother, I love that that was self-imposed. Like, I I know I was going to say I'd have to threaten that so hard on someone. I don't. It's amazing that she did it all all on her own. Yeah. She declared it all on her own. So I love that. And then another thing that I also love. So Lulu also, you know, she acts. She's an incredible artist. She draws. She paints. And 
And what I also love is that she started to find things on social media, on Instagram and TikTok, specifically YouTube as well, where she started to study, you know, other artists and and to start posting, you know, some of her own artwork. And and so kind of moving away from the beauty, the comparison, watching other women all the time and finding other interests on social media that are true interests of hers outside of social media, I think is really helpful too. Yeah, I kind of fixed the algorithm, I guess. Like it would be like, um, I, and if once my page gets like, like my For You page, if I don't like that many videos on it, I will like look up a hashtag like I'll be like hashtag art or hashtag drawing or something and then just scroll through a bunch of those videos and like them so Mm -hmm. that if I refresh my for you page it's like all like art stuff and it's like it's a very helpful tactic right yeah because the the algorithm smart I didn't think of that yeah, the like algorithm serves you. Yeah, the algorithm serves you what you're engaging with the most. So, right. for myself and Melissa on TikTok, that would be Tabitha Brown. So, I see a lot of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, cooking videos. I get a lot hair of videos. Oh my god. Because I, I go through and engage and like all things Tabitha Brown all the time. That's so, it, so, you know, and it's true because I'm, you know, we're in the beauty industry. It used to be that I was just constantly, you know, the hashtag skincare, et cetera, et cetera. But, but to your point, I would start going down a rabbit hole. And as Lulu says, I get served up a lot of the um, older content on TikTok, but I would start to play that, you know, kind of comparison game and, and, you know, even if it's just other brands coming up that I felt sort of, oh gosh, look at what they're doing with their TikTok page and their and how they're reaching their consumer and what are we doing? And, you know, and then I started watching Tabitha Brown and then that's so much more fun for me to get served up a little bit of enlightenment, enlightenment from, from Tabitha totally. Brown. Ella, is there, is there um, a way you mitigate social media? Can you just shut it off and be like, no, it's not good for me anymore? Or is it harder, easier said than done? Lulu has more respected boundaries for herself than I do. Uh, (laughs) Lulu has more boundaries than I'll ever have as a a human in my whole life. I'm grown and I won't achieve her level of discipline. So that's, that's, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, like I definitely know when to stop myself from going down a rabbit hole. But I think just like, cause I've caught myself like looking at someone else's page and then comparing that page to my page and like looking at all the numbers and seeing how many people they follow or how many posts they have or what their content sort of looks like. And then I kind of had this like epiphany where I realized that like, I shouldn't really care. And like, I'm just gonna do whatever I wanna do and people will deal with that. So I guess that's how I, I've dealt with it. And I think just like, Learning through experience and not really, you know, caring if you have less followers or if you have more followers or if somebody is more quote unquote successful than you. So, and I think just like with like the whole body image thing and like doing that and like comparing myself to that, I feel like sometimes I'll just like look in the mirror and look at myself and see what I've accomplished and see and like know myself because I'm going to be living with myself for like ever. So (laughs) I might as well appreciate it and appreciate, appreciate my skin and my color and my eyes and my Mm. mouth and my face because 
I'm going to be with it for a while. So yeah. well, outside, I mean, I we're, we're really focusing a lot on social media because of your generation and obviously because we're all on it and use it. But outside of that, I mean, you're in the public eye, right? You're in the public eye now. Mm-hmm. You're in movies. You're going to be in many, many more and, and television <laughs> and uh, whatever it is you want to pursue even beyond that. So does that ever affect you just sort of Hollywood as it were as an industry? I know Hollywood has much more representation these days than like we, what we said when Nikeo and I were your age, but do you ever feel pressures of, of those types of standards as well? Yeah, those standards are definitely extremely, very, very high. And I remember in the beginning, my parents were saying like, you know, there's going to be people who don't necessarily like what you're doing, or there's going to be people who who expect more of what the standard is than what you are. And at first I was kind of like, why? That's That's so dumb. Like, why are people expecting role models on camera to be this way when they're kind of formed in itself? Yeah, at first I was I was definitely learning about it and experiencing it um and receiving hate and my parents, I mean, they're such a big influence on who I am and they've taught me so much. So I just think that like they've definitely taught me to not really care mm-hmm. or bother with the people who are trying to degrade you because at the end of the day, like they're probably couch potatoes who don't even care about you anyways. So I think you just have to like learn and experience it and um, take everything into consideration because that, like if you're if you're degrading someone and seeing them on screen, you might not know what they're feeling in their shoes. So mm-hmm. that's how I always see it and try to respect yeah. people. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because even, you know, for our listeners that maybe don't have the exposure that you two have, but are kids in high school just like you and and have negativity that comes to them through social media platforms or or hatefulness or you know I always say like to hide behind a computer screen to spread negativity how do you think you know even outside of Hollywood Lulu how do you think it's best to deal with that for yourself yeah I kind of feel like I haven't really seen that much hate like on my social media or anything because um you know I I'm not like in the public eye I guess so it's mostly been through my mom's Instagram which is kind of interesting that they try to go to me through my mom but anyway I usually just try to remember that a lot of these people are just sad and sometimes they can even be jealous of the people that they're like being like the trolls that are on the internet And it's always the people with no profile pic and like 11 followers. And then it's like they make like a backup account just to troll people. And it's Mm -hmm. like it's very it's kind of pathetic and it's sad, honestly. So you just kind of have to look at it like that and be like, well, they obviously aren't like, okay, if this is how they spend their free time. Couch potatoes. They just I love the new connotation of what a couch potato is in according to Gen Z. So cute. Yeah. Like just, they should just I feel like they just like go read a book or something. Right. That's why Find you out. call them lamos for spending their time just being mean to other people. 
Which right. is also that's why I don't really appreciate cancel culture. That's just my opinion, but yeah, that's a whole other thing in itself too. Yeah, right. because a right. lot of it is fueled by people who are just there to stoke the conversation. Like there might right. be a kernel, like a mm-hmm. kernel of truth, right? To Maybe instigate, right? They just instigate it further. So people love to do that. Yeah, and I always think about these these people how they would never have the courage to say that to your face you just have to think about that like if they saw you on the street they wouldn't go up to you and say that thing like most likely they wouldn't say whatever they commented on your instagram post or whatever they tweeted about you they wouldn't go to you up in the street and say that because they're cowards so they're not Mm -hmm. they just are hiding behind their screen just to say mean stuff which is really dumb and a lot of times people like that you know i'll say to lulu you don't respond to them. I never respond to a troll or someone who has something hateful to say on any of my social media platforms because nine times out of 10, all they want is your attention. So if you respond, um, I mean, I will I will block them. I will report them. I will turn my comments off if it gets a little heated. But, you know, to protect myself and my family and my community of followers, they don't need to read, you know, those hateful comments. But But in responding directly to a troll or a bully, it's often that that's exactly what they want. They want your attention. And so it's very, very empowering to ignore them, to delete them, to report them and and to know that, you know, they have no bearing on the significance of your life. It can hurt. But it doesn't have to take you down, and and there really is no validity in 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 that in that hatefulness, and and sometimes people are just really, as Lulu said, really, really, really just pathetically sad on the inside, and and that's their pain. So I think it's great, especially you know at fifteen and in ninth grade, for you guys to know and have the wherewithal to not let that to not let that take you down and and to stand in your own strength. Speaking of um on the opposite side, role models, you two are my role models. Um mm-hmm. honestly, even at Thank little, you. little Thank even you being so a much. little bit older than you, just a little bit. <laughs> Who do you look up to like as far as uh it could be beauty content, it could be in the beauty realm, um but who do you it doesn't even have to be on social media. I mean like Ella, who inspires you as an artist? Like, who 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 are you looking up to these days? In pop culture and like beauty standard wise, I would say Lizzo because nice. she definitely puts out a really really positive message. And I went to one of like I went to a show where they were showing multiple people, and she was one of them. And she was just so uplifting. Her backup dancers are called like her big girls, which I love too. So she's, yeah, she's super uplifting. And I think her positive energy is something that I would love to portray as well. So Mm -hmm. I love that. How about you, Lily? I kind of have a few. I guess one is definitely Misty Copeland. I, I look up to Misty Copeland so much because when I was younger and I really wanted to be a ballerina, like so bad, but I looked at like all the ballerinas, I was like, oh, I can't be a ballerina. None of them look like me because they are all like they all had one specific look. But then I found Misty Copeland and I like immediately was like, oh, my goodness, she's like amazing because she was the first black woman in the American Ballet Theater, I believe. Mm -hmm. And she uh, was very like positive. She's very body positive, too, Mm -hmm. because and she started at like 
13. 13, yeah. because even though most of these ballerinas start when they're like literally in diapers, like doing point triple pirouettes. And she started at the Girls and Boys Club when she was 13. And I always found that really inspiring. Um, yeah, I really want to meet her one day. She seems so Same. cool. I <laughs> really want to meet her too. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, how so nowadays, like, you know, you, Ella, saying Lizzo, Missy Copeland, talking about body positivity with being a ballerina. I mean, that's not, that was, it was always to blend in and it just to be about your lines and your, your like thinness, basically. And that's it, just to kind of like in that sort of traditional ballet paradigm and with Lizza was a pop star like we always think about pop stars being one way Lulu I love that you said that when you wear makeup or when you you know put on any kind of product you love how confident you feel so maybe you're going to be wearing it out more so when it comes to your go-to products at this stage of your life what are your absolute favorite things to put on Ella, what do you, I, I, is that, is your eyeliner kind of like a signature? It has been recently. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think more of my signature is like my hair. I think for sure, like I love my like long, luscious, like good wavy hair. But yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I love makeup and hair in general. So yeah. Are there any brands that you find the most fun to play with? Like, is it a brand that speaks to you or is it like a, cat a type of product? There's a brand that's really interesting to like physically play with called, oh God, I'm going to say this wrong, like Kaja. Is that what it's called? Hmm, I don't know. It, it, where like the stamp, there's like, there's like heart stamps that go as blush. Oh yeah, then, I've yeah. seen that before. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Those are really like cool. really interesting. And I think those are like very innovative ways to have makeup. But I think, I mean, like I love like milk and Fenty and Glossier and stuff too. So Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. All Fun. three brands. Yeah. What about you? I don't, I don't know specific brands what about for your hair like stuff? for for my hair probably uh charlotte mensa definitely i've been using that to like wash my hair recently and it's been working really well and then probably the best hair mask i have ever used the forbidden oil mask is like from bomba curls from bomba curls sorry i got a plug wow. guys it's <laughs> from bomba curls and you're contractually obligated to plug yes. to, to plug yeah things. yeah she <laughs> so, is and i used it and it like um it left my hair like <laughs> not sponsor guys not uh, sponsor. it was it left <laughs> my hair ad. moisturized not like, an no, she really does it love was... it and i'm so happy we sell it at 13 loon because yeah. i've uh great access to it but yeah. um but yeah and it's... and definitely that i think going out like what about your face oil so i was sorry i was gonna get to that so that <laughs> for going out for going out of you guys are like blink twice if you need help no for <laughs> going out it would be uh, probably my mom's uh, green oil, her face oil, definitely rescue oil. the rescue oil, mm -hmm. um, and then also the lip balm from Nikeo as well, and that lip gloss from Glossed, the the Glossed lip gloss definitely, and I really do like eyeliner. I think it's very good, but it's very easy to mess up with like i oh. sneezed one time and got it in my eye and it was <laughs> hurt no, so hard the eyeliner away when you're sneezing like, wait yeah. you guys ella ella has a really good trick for making the perfect winged eyeliner can you share it with us 
Oh, yeah. So basically, you put a dot where you want it to start, a dot where you want it to end. So like like a dot here, a dot here, and then a dot in the center of your eye. And then you connect all the dots. And then you just like do the lines here and you fill it all. A triangle. Ah, oh, that is so smart. That, I'm going to try that right after we're done with this podcast. Yeah. It's a three point, a three point wing. Yes. Um, I learned from, I think, a makeup artist that taught me when I'm applying my own eyeliner because I have kind of a little bit of a shaky hand is to rest your elbow and lean into the mirror so that your elbow is stabilized as you're applying your eyeliner. Don't try to do it up here with a floating arm. Make sure that your elbow's on on a table or on, you know, wherever you're applying it so that when you're applying it that you've got a stable hand. Yeah. So that's a another eyeliner trick, but I'm going to try the wing. Yeah. Let Definitely. you know how it goes, like, Ella. Whenever I see whenever I see there videos of like girls, guys, like anybody <laughs> wearing eyeliner, I'm I'm always so impressed by them. It's mm-hmm. like it's insane because some of them do like some crazy stuff with it and it's like I sometimes I think that I'd be like like pretty good at makeup like with a steady hand I mean because I really like drawing and painting but for some reason there's like a difference I guess when it comes to like your own face my own face and a piece of paper so Mm -hmm. it's yeah yeah it's hard so tell me about your hair you you love your hair is beautiful Ella has it always been long is it always been manageable or have you had a hair journey um it's actually naturally wavy I think before puberty it was like really straight and thin and then like once puberty kicked in it got like kind of coarse and wavy so yeah this is all natural me so that's awesome I think it's so beautiful it can get curlier too I think yeah Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, Our hair does. It changes textures during all different phases, especially hormonal phases in our lives. For sure. But growing up, people, and even into adulthood, people would always be like, to me, oh, you have really, they'd assume I had very, like, typically Asian hair, like, almost like, like how Japanese hair is, like, super stick straight, doesn't hold a curl, really heavy and coarse. And I think because I'm Filipino... And my dad's have Spanish or Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but a lot, most people in my family have actually have curly hair or wavy hair. I have a lot of relatives with like very curly hair. So I don't know. (laughs) I think think it's our Filipino genes, Ella. We've got some curl and wave in there. It's actually not, people used to cut my hair and assume it was like stick straight, even though they're touching it and it doesn't feel like it. They just have this like very, like such a, like strict association with like Asian hair. I'm like, no, you're touching it. It's not. It's like, it's not. So I love, I love that you have so much pride in your hair. It is very beautiful. And, it is. Um, it is. Thank I you. It is beautiful. You I love your hair, Lulu. Great. Thank you so she, much. I love your she hair, does. Lulu. She does. So I can't wait for your hair care line. I know. It's going to be great. Do you like how I'm just putting the pressure on you? Yes. Oh, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So Ella, where can we, well, first of all, what I know that it's summer and you're in ninth grade, but what, what is your like dream role? Like, what are you, what are you up to? Where can we, not where can we find you, but like what, what's next for you or what would you like to be going for? Well, 
I really think that I want to do other characters besides just like the mean, like Cassandra Kane sort of character. Um, maybe like a quirky sort of nerdy character like Reese Witherspoon in Election. I thought that was a really interesting character. But yeah, I just kind of want to uh, experiment with different sort of roles and personalities that I can try and come up with. Nice. Or that you might write because you're a mm-hmm. prolific writer. Yeah, that's true that you might write. Yeah, same, <laughs> same thing goes. I mean, just I think like I would also want to write a very represented, like independent and confident role or or song just because like women in movies can always seem very like apologetic or whatever that may be so I think just writing a character that like knows who she is and is very confident in that would be cool as well well that is you that is both of you yeah Lulu what about you what do you what do you look forward to and what do you want next for yourself I don't know I I mean um (laughs) I think to um, finish high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finish high school and go to college. Um, I don't know. I feel like I want to do um, more acting, definitely, because I just got my like SAG card because I did like this ADR wow. job. So I got my SAG card. So that's that's really nice. cool. And thank you. And so um, definitely more of that with uh, dance, I guess. I'm definitely going to be doing more more ballet and more dance in general because I don't really want to become like a ballerina anymore, even though that was like my dream for a while. I realized I want to do like other stuff as well. Yeah, I definitely am still going to have it in my life um, and like do different forms of dance. I'm definitely going to start dancing more next year. I know. So that's exciting. Uh, and yeah. Yes, that's, that's so po- possibility for Fly Girl reunion. Could yes. Happen. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> next gen. <laughs> I you love it. You guys are gonna have to go Google in yes. living color Fly yes. Girl. Fly Girls. Um, okay. Yeah, and you've worked with an actual the original Fly Girl Ella, so I'm forever jealous. <laughs> you actually know Rosie Perez and like could just like DM her, or text her, and like, talk about being a Fly Girl. Um, but yeah, you guys are going to be obsessed once you guys start watching the Fly Girls and what they wore, which yes. is literally what people look like right now. I mean, right. it's all 90s, yeah. like biker shorts, yeah. crop tops, it's the best. combat boots. You'll see exactly. You'll be like, oh, my friend looks just like that. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So you really true. will. So true. So we always love to wrap up by asking all of our guests, what makes you hopeful? I think what makes me hopeful is the strong women who are influencers and role models, um, like Greta Thunberg, Kamala Harris, you know, AOC, and not even just politically, but like Billie Eilish, Lizzo, her, um, just those really strong group of women who can definitely make a change in our world. And even me and you can make a change in our world, but with their great popularity and reputation, um, I, I'm really hopeful that they can help make our community and our country mm. different. Amazing. What makes you hopeful, sweetie? 
Um, I think just seeing like all the kids my age or like our age, um, and how much they want change and like uh and it's not like some not you guys obviously but some people in other generations don't really care that much and with different issues like climate change and racism and just problems with equality and stuff they just don't really care I guess which is really annoying because it affects our generation a lot I guess just seeing all the people who are super young trying to make such a big change in all different aspects. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's awesome. Well, those things Mm -hmm. all make me super hopeful. And I am just really, really grateful for the two of you, the inspiration that you are for the beautiful friendship that you've had since you were five years old. And I look forward to all the dynamic and amazing ways that you will continue to impact the world. And we're just so grateful that we got to have you both today on the Beauty Vanguard. Thank and you. Our next generation Thank Beauty you. Vanguards and all the You beauty. are the next gen Beauty Vanguard. And oh. I'm very excited about it. Thank you very guys excited so much. About it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much you. for this. This was amazing. And it's oh, great to see God. two strong, beautiful, independent Women of color, like as the leads of a beauty podcast. So, Woo, thank you. How for you guys? Oh, I love you girls so much. Thank you. And <laughs> have an amazing day. And thank you, everyone, for, for listening and tuning in to the Beauty Band Card. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anne Marie Johnson. The show was edited by Maureen Vegas and Charlotte Council. You can follow us on Instagram at at 13loon and at Melissa Magsaysay and at Nikeo.